Section 13 of The Day Before Yesterday. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. The Day Before Yesterday by Richard Middleton. Oxford and Cambridge. When I hear grown up people discussing the university boat race, I smile sadly and hold my peace. They may say what they like about the latest Oxford trial or the average weight per man of the Cambridge crew, but deep in my heart there stays the conviction that they are making a ludicrous mistake in speaking about the boat race at all. Once I knew all about it, and even now I think I could put them right if I wished, but what is the use of arguing with persons who, under the absurd pretext of fairness, pretend to find praiseworthy features in both crews? Even the smallest boy knew better than that in the days when the boat race was really important. I will not say that there did not exist weaklings even then, who wobbled between Oxford and Cambridge in an endeavor to propitiate both factions, but they usually suffered the fate of wobblers by having to join one side or the other, while still incurring the scorn of both. The boat race dawned upon us each year, as a strange and bewildering element in our social relationships we would part one night on normal terms and the morrow would find us wearing strange favors and regarding our friends of yesterday with open and passionate dislike for the sake of a morsel of colored ribbon old friendships would be shattered and brother would meet brother with ingenious expressions of contempt there was no moderate course in the matter a boy was either vehemently cambridge or intolerably oxford and it would have been easier to account for the color of his hair than to explain how he arrived at his choice of a university some blind instinct some subtle influence felt perhaps in the dim far-off nursery days may have determined this weighty choice but the whole problem was touched with the mystery that inspired the great classical and modern snowball fights when little boys would pound each other almost into a state of unconsciousness for the sake of a theory of education our interest in the boat race as a boat race was small and quite untroubled by any knowledge of the respective merits of the crews but we wore their colors in our buttonholes and the effect of these badges on our lives was anarchic we saw blue it was my fate to drift fatally and immutably cambridge into a school that had a crushing Oxford majority. In these circumstances, the light blue ribbon became, for the small and devoted band that upheld the Cambridge tradition of valor, the cause of endless but never conclusive defeats, the symbol of a splendid martyrdom. Try as we might, we found ourselves always in a minority, and, to add to our bitterness, these years of luckless warfare coincided with a series of Cambridge defeats and we knew ourselves the supporters of a forlorn and discredited cause. And yet, fate having decreed that we should be Cambridge, we did not falter before our hopeless task of convincing the majority that it was made of baser stuff than we. We would arrive in the morning with our colors stitched to our coats, and when, overwhelmed by numbers, we lost our dear favors, we would retire to a place apart, repair the loss from a secret store of ribbon, and dash once more into the fray the others might be oxford when they had a mind to but we were cambridge 
Cambridge all the time. Our contests were always fierce, but only once, so far as I remember, did they become really venomous. Some ingenious Cambridge mind had hit on the idea of protecting his badge with a secret battery of pins, and there ensued a series of real and desperate fights that threatened our clan with physical extinction. The trouble passed as suddenly as it had arisen. A mysterious rumor went round the clans that pins were bad form, and there was a lull while Cambridge treated their black eyes and Oxford put sticking plaster on their torn fingers. Pleasanter to remember is the famous retort of L, an utterance so finely dramatic that even today I cannot recall it without a thrill. Caught apart from his comrades, he was surrounded by the Oxford rabble and robbed of his colors. You aren't Cambridge now, said one of his assailants mockingly. Ah, but the sky is Cambridge, he replied, and indeed it was. We had our little victories to dull the edge of our defeats. And yet, probably, we of Cambridge were not altogether sorry when the boat race was over, and the business might be forgotten for another eleven months, for we had but little rest while the War of the Ribbons was in the air. If we sought to take a quiet walk round the quad, the chance was that a boy, too small perhaps to keep a favor, even for a minute, but with a light blue heart, would run up with tidings of some comrade hardly beset in the cloisters, and the battle must be begun again. These contests were sometimes the cause of temporary friendships, for in the course of the tumult one would find oneself indebted to a year-long enemy for the timely discomfiture of one's opponent, who in his turn might be, normally, one's bosom companion, for no tie was sacred enough to overcome this vernal madness of the blues. If a fellow was base enough to be Oxford, his presence in the world was unnecessary, his society tabooed, and, as I have said, even brothers would bang each other's heads for the beauty of the idea. Then came a day when age and responsibility changed our views on a good many things, and the boat race was not spared. Forgetful of the old triumphs and the old despairs, we preferred to treat ourselves and life in more sober terms, while smiling tolerantly at the little boys playing their rough games beneath our feet. Leaning forward with hands eager to clutch our manhood, we would not for worlds have compromised our new position by taking an interest in such childish trifles as colored ribbons. So the game went on without us, and the measure of our loss is the measure of the loss of the earth when the spring melts into summer. Today I hear persons discussing the boat race in railway carriages, and in face of their dispassionate judgments, I ask myself whether they can ever have sung for it and fought for it and, let it be added, wept for it as I have done. In truth, I suppose they have, for boys do not differ widely in these essential things, but these people do not fight, they do not even wear the ribbon. While it is open to a man to ignore the boat race altogether, I cannot understand his approaching the contest in so miserable a spirit. End of section 13